Act Three of Sir Harry Wildair by George Farquhar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One, A Room in Colonel Standard's House, Lady Lorwell and Marquis. Well, Monsieur, and have you thought how to retaliate your ill fortune? Madame, I have thought that fortune be one blind bitch. Why should fortune be kinder to the Anglish Chevalier than to the France Marquis? Have I not been bon grâce? Have I not the personage? Have I not the understanding? Can the Anglais Chevalier dance better than I? Can the Anglais Chevalier fence better than I? Can the Anglais Chevalier play basset better than I? Then why should fortune be kinder to the Anglais Chevalier than the France Marquis? Why? Because fortune is blind. Blind? <laughs> yes, beggar, and dumb, and deaf too. Well then, fortune give the Anglais their riches, but nature give the Francemen the politic to correct the unequal distribution. But how can you correct it, monsieur? Écoute, madame. Sir Harry Wilder, his wife, is dead. And what advantage can you make of that? Beggar, madame. <laughs> the Anglieman's dead wife sell cockle their husband. How, how, sir? A dead woman cuckold her husband? Mark, madame. We Francemen make a de distinction between the design and the term of the treaty. She cannot touch his head, but she can cuckold his pocket of ten thousand livres. Pray explain yourself, sir. I have Sir Harry Wilder, his wife, in my pocket. How? Sir Harry's wife in your pocket? Hold, madame. There is an outre distinction between the design and the term of the treaty. Pray, sir, no more of your distinctions, but speak plain. When the Frenchman's politique is in his head, there is nothing but distinction upon his tongue. See here, madame, I have the picture of the Harry's wife in my pocket. Is it possible? Voyez. The very same, and finely drawn. Pray, monsieur, how did you purchase it? As me did purchase the picture, so me did gain the substance, the dear, dear substance, by the bon mien, the français, chantant, charmant de politique à la tête, and dansant à la pied. Lord bless me! How cunningly some women can play the rogue! Ah, have I found it out! Now, as I hope for mercy, I am glad on it. I hate to have any woman more virtuous than myself. Here was such a work with my Lady Wildair's piety, my Lady Wildair's conduct, and my Lady Wildair's fidelity, forsooth. Now, dear monsieur, you have infallibly told me the best news that I ever heard in my life. Well, and she was but one of us, eh? Oh, madame, me no tell tale, me no scandalize the dead. The picture be dumb, the picture say nothing. Come, come, sir, no more distinctions. I'm sure it was so. I would have given the world for such a story of her while she was living. She was charitable, forsooth, and she was devout, forsooth, and everybody was twitted its teeth with my Lady Wildair's reputation. And why don't you mark her behaviour and her discretion? 
She goes to church twice a day. Ah, I hate these congregation women. There's such a fuss and such a clutter about their devotion that it makes more noise than all the bells in the parish. Well, but what advantage can you make now of the picture? The advantage of ten thousand livres par Attendez-vous, madame. This lady she die at Montpellier in France. I have the brother in that city that write me one account that she die in that city, and that she send me this picture as a legacy, with a thousand basements to the dear Marquis, the charmant Marquis, mon coeur le Marquis. Aye, here was devotion. Here was discretion. Here was fidelity. Mon coeur le Marquis. <laughs> Well, but um, how will this procure the money? Now, madame, for the France politique. Eh? What is the French politic? Never to tell a secret to a woman. <laughs> madame, je suis votre serviteur. Runs off. Hold! Hold, sir! We shan't part so. I will have it. Follows. Enter Colonel Standard and Captain Fireball. Ah, look, look, look here there, brother. See how they cook at it. Ah, oh, there's a look, there's a simper, there's a squeeze for you. Aye, now the Marquis is at it. Mon coeur, ma foi, perdis allons. Don't you see how the French rogue has the head and the feet and the hands and the tongue all going together? Walking in disorder. Where's my reason? Where's my philosophy? Where's my religion now? I'll tell you where they are. In your forehead, sir. Blood, I say. Revenge. But how, dear brother? Why, stab him. Stab him now. Italian, Spaniard, I say. Stab him? Why, cockledom's a hydra that bears a thousand heads. And though I should cut this one off, the monster would still sprout. Must I murder all the fops in the nation? And to save my head from horns, expose my neck to the halter? Stith, sir. Can't you kick and cuff? Kick one. Cane another. Cut off the ears of a third. Slit the nose of a fourth. Tear cravats. Burn perukes. Shoot their coach horses. A noble plot. But now it's laid, how shall we put it in execution? For not one of these fellows stirs about without his garde de corps. Then they're stout as heroes. For I can assure you that a bow with six footmen shall fight you any gentleman in Christendom. Enter footman. Sir, here's Mr. Clincher below, who begs the honour to kiss your hand. Aye, why, here's another bow. Let him come, let him come. I'll show you how to manage a bow presently. Hold, hold, sir. This is a simple, inoffensive fellow that will rather make us diversion. Diversion, eh? Why, I'll knock him down for diversion. No, no, pray thee be quiet. I gave him a surfeit of intriguing some months ago, before I was married. Here, bid him come up. Exit footman. He's worth your acquaintance, brother. My acquaintance? What is he? A fellow of a strange weathercock head, very hard but light as the wind, constantly full of the times and never fails to pick up some humour or other out of the public revolutions that proves diverting enough. Some time ago he had got the travelling maggot in his head, and was going to the Jubilee upon all occasions. 
But lately, since the new revolution in Europe, another spirit has possessed him, and he runs stark mad after news and politics. Enter Clincher. News, news, Colonel Great. Eh? What's this fellow? Methinks he has a kind of suspicious air. Your ear, Colonel. The Pope's dead. Where did you hear it? Whispering. I read it in the public news. Ah, ah, ah. And why do you whisper it for a secret? Odd so. Faith, that's true. But that fellow there, what is he? My brother Fireball, just come home from the Baltic. Odd so. Noble captain, I'm your most humble and obedient servant, from the poop to the forecastle. Nay, a kiss on the other side, pray. Now, dear captain, tell us the news. Odd so. I'm so pleased to have met you. Well, the news, dear captain. You sailed a brave squadron of men of war to the Baltic. Well, and what then? Eh? Why, then, uh, we came back again. Did you, Faith? Foolish, foolish, very foolish. A right sea, Captain. But what did you do? How did you fight? What storms did you meet and what whales did you see? We had a violent storm off the coast of Jutland. Jutland? Aye, that's part of Portugal. Well, and so, you entered the Sound, and you mauled Copenhagen, Faith, and then that pretty, dear, sweet, pretty King of Sweden. What sort of man is he, pray? Why, tall and slender. Tall and slender? Much about my pitch, eh? Not so gross, nor altogether so low. No, I'm sorry for it. Very sorry indeed. Enter Parley to the door. Clincher beckons her with his hands behind going backwards, and speaking to her and the gentleman by turns. Well, and what more? And so you bombarded Copenhagen. Mrs. Parley! Whiz! Slap went the bombs. Mrs. Parley! And so, well, not altogether so gross, you say. Here's a letter, you, Jade. Very tall, you say. Is the king very tall? Here's a guinea, you, Jade. Parley takes the letter and exit. Colonel Standard observes him. <coughs> Colonel, I'm mightily troubled with the physic of late. <coughs> A strange stoppage of my breast here. <coughs> but now it is all off again. Well, but Captain, you tell us no news at all. I'll tell you one piece that all the world knows, and still you are a stranger to it. Bless me, what can this be? That you are a fool. Eh, witty, witty, see, Captain? Oh, so. And I wonder, Captain, that your understanding did not split your ship to pieces. Why so, sir? Because, sir, it is so very shallow, very shallow. There's wit for you, sir. Re-enter Parley and gives Colonel Standard a letter. Odd so, a letter. Then there's news. What? Is it the foreign post? What news, dear Colonel? What news? 
Harky, Mrs. Parley. Talks with Parley while Colonel Standard reads the letter. The son of a whore, is it he? Reads. Dear Madam, I was afraid to break upon the seal of your letter, lest I should violate the work of your fair hands. Oh, fulsome fop. I therefore, with the warmth of my kisses, thawed it asunder. Ay, here's such a turn of style as takes a fine lady. I have no news but that the Pope's dead, and I have some packets upon that affair to send to my correspondent in Wales. But I shall waive all business and hasten to wait on you at the hour appointed, with the wings of a flying post. Yours, Toby Clincher. Very well, Mr. Toby. Hark ye, brother, this fellow's a rogue. A damned rogue! See here, a letter to my wife. Death! Let me tear him to pieces! No, no. We'll manage him to more advantage. Take him with you to Lockett's, and invent some way or other to fuddle him. Here, Mr. Clincher, I have prevailed on my brother here to give you a very particular account of the whole voyage to the Sound by his own journal, if you please to honour him with your company at Lockett's. His own journal? Odd so, let me see it. Show it him. Here, sir. Now for news. Reads. Thursday, August the 17th, from the 6th noon to this day noon. Winds variable, courses per traverse, true course protracted, with all implements allowed. Is north 45 degrees, west 60 miles. Difference of latitude 42 miles, departure west 40 miles. Latitude per judgment 54 degrees, 13 minutes. Meridian distance. Currents from the bearing of the land and the latitude is 88 miles. What so? A great news, Faith. Let me see. At noon broke out our main top sail yard, being rotten in the slings. Two whales southward. What so? A whale. Great news, Faith. Come, come, along, Captain. But do you hear? With this proviso, gentlemen, that I won't drink. For, hark ye, Captain, between you and I, there's a fine lady in the wind, and I shall have the longitude and latitude of a fine lady, and the... Aside. A fine lady? Ah, the rogue. Yes, a fine lady, Colonel. A very fine lady. Come, no ceremony, good Captain. Exit with Captain Fireball. Well, Mrs. Parley, how go the rest of our affairs? Why, worse and worse, sir. Here's more mischief still. More branches are sprouting. Of whose planting, pray? Why, that impudent young rogue, Sir Harry Wilder's brother, has commenced to suit and feed counsel already. Look here, sir. Two pieces, for which, by article, I am to receive four. Aside. Tis a hard case now that a man must give four guineas for the good news of his dishonour. Some men throw away their money in debauching other men's wives, and I lay out mine to keep my own honest. But this is making a man's fortune. Aloud. Well, child, there's your pay, and I expect when I come back a true account how the business goes on. But suppose the business be done before you come back? No, no. She hasn't seen him yet and her pride will preserve her against the first assaults. Besides, I shan't stay. Excellent. Scene 2. Another room in the same. 
Enter Sir Harry Wildair and Lady Lorwell. <clears throat> well, now, Sir Harry, this book you gave me. As I hope to breathe, I think tis the best penned piece I have seen a great while. I don't know any of our authors have written so florid and genteel a style. Upon the subject, madam, I dare affirm there is nothing extant more moving. Look ye, madam, I am an author rich in expressions. The needy poets of the age may fill their works with rhapsodies of flames and darts. Their barren sighs and tears, their speaking looks and amorous vows that might in Chaucer's time, perhaps, have passed for love. But now tis only such as I can touch that noble passion, and by the true persuasive eloquence, turned in the moving style of Louis d'Or, can raise the ravished female to a rapture. In short, madam, I'll match Cowley in softness, or top Milton in sublime, banter Cicero in eloquence, and Dr. Swan in quibbling, by the help of that most ingenious society called the Bank of England. Aye, Sir Harry, I begin to hate that old thing called love. They say it is clear out in France. Clear out, clear out. Nobody wears it. And here, too, honesty went out with the slashed doublets and love with those close-bodied gowns. Love, tis so obsolete, so mean, and out of fashion, that I can compare it to nothing but the miserable picture of patient grizzle at the head of an old ballot. <laughs> the best emblem in the world. Come, Sir Harry, faith will run it down. Love. Ay, methinks I see the mournful Melpomini with her handkerchief at her eye, her heart full of fire, her eyes full of water, her head full of madness, and her mouth full of nonsense. Oh, hang it. Ay, madam, then the doleful ditties, piteous plaints, the daggers, the poisons. Oh, the vapours. Then a man must kneel. And a man must swear. Aside. There is a repose I see in the next room. Unnatural stuff. Oh, madam, the most unnatural thing in the world. As fulsome as a sack posset. Pulling her towards the door. Ungenteel as a wedding ring. And as impudent as the naked statue was in the park. Pulls her again. Aye, Sir Harry. I hate love that's impudent. These poets dress it up so in their tragedies that no modest woman can bear it. Your way is much the more tolerable, I must confess. Aye, aye, madam. I hate your rude whining and sighing. It puts a lady out of countenance. Pulling her. Truly, so it does. Hang their impudence. But where are we going? Only to rail at love, madam. Pulls her in. Enter banter. Hey, who's here? Re-enter Lady Lorwell. Pshaw, prevented. By a stranger, too. Had it been my husband now. Pshaw. Very familiar, sir. Madam, you have dropped your hat. It takes up Sir Harry's hat that was dropped in the room. Discovered, too, by a stranger. 
What shall I do? Within. Madam, you have got the most confounded pens here. Can't you get the colonel to write the superscriptions of your letters for you? Lord bless me, Sir Harry. Don't you know that the colonel can't write French? Your time is so precious. Shall I direct by way of Rouen or Paris? Which you will. Madam, I very much applaud your choice of a secretary. He understands the intrigues of most courts in Europe, they say. Re-enter Sir Harry Wildair with a letter. Here, madam, I presume tis right. This gentleman a relation of yours, madam? Damn him. Brother, your humble servant. Brother? By what relation, sir? <laughs> Begotten by the same father, born of the same mother, brother kindred and brother beau. Hey, day, how the fellow strings his genealogy. Looky, sir, you may be brother to Tom Thumb, for aught I know, but if you are my brother, I could have wished you in your mother's womb for an hour or two longer. Sir, I received your letter at Oxford, with your commands to meet you in London. And if you can remember your own hand, there it is. Gives a letter. Looking over the letter. Ooh, pray, sir, let me consider you a little. By Jupiter, a pretty boy, a very pretty boy. A handsome face, good shape. Walks about and views him. Well dressed. The rogue has a good leg, too. Come, kiss me, child. Ah, he kisses like one of the family, the right velvet lip. Canst thou dance, child? Oui, monsieur. Heyday, French, too. Why, sure, sir, you could never be bred at Oxford. No, madam, my clothes were made in London. Brother, I have some affairs of consequence to communicate, which require a little privacy. Oh, sir, I beg your pardon. I'll leave you. Sir Harry, you'll stay supper? Assurément, madame. Yes, madam, we'll both stay. Exit Lady Lorwell. Both? Sir, I'll send you back to your mutton commons again. How now? No, no. I shall find better mutton commons by messing with you, brother. Come, Sir Harry. If you stay, I stay. If you go, allons. <sighs> the devil's in this young fellow. Why, sirrah, hast thou any thoughts of being my heir? Why, you dog, you ought to pimp for me. You should keep a pack of wenches a purpose to hunt down matrimony. Don't you know, sir, that lawful wedlock in me is certain poverty to you? Look here, Sarah, come along. And for my disappointment just now, if you don't get me a new mistress tonight, I'll marry tomorrow and won't leave you a groat. Go, pimp, like a dutiful brother. Pushes him out and exit. End of Act Three